0: I run this city.
1: I'm St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter. I'm excited to live in and serve what I fully believe is the most incredible city on the planet. I tell folks all the time, the biggest thing I learned in moving a thousand miles away is how much I like home. But I'm from this city. I love this city. The city has raised me. My family's been here for a hundred years. Right now, the two things that keep me awake at night are public safety and potholes. The potholes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I personally dig them. You know the whole, it's like you at the pothole. Like, Thanks, Mayor Carter. That's right.
2: People are complaining about the potholes. How is that money? Where's that money gonna come from? It's not just gonna fall out of the sky. I, I have a few I have more than one ankle
1: that I can blame on a pothole. So I have a lot, I have a lot at stake in getting these things fixed. That's what we wanna do. We wanna find. We we want to switch from just sort of chasing potholes to saying we're going to rebuild our streets so that we can build them for the future.
2: Oh, we can build them. We have to. Minneapolis versus St.
1: Paul. Minneapolis, or Minneapolis and St. Paul. And Saint Paul. Paul. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Friendly competition. All of my life trying to figure out whether St. Paul or Minneapolis is better. Yeah. When in actuality, I think you know if St. Paul has a has a teammate, if St. Paul has a partner, it's Minneapolis.
2: So uh, we're better than Minneapolis. Well, okay. we're better
1: than
0: everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Episode 17 of Weekly Deposit, we have an extraordinary guest with us today, probably our most illustrious guest, by far our most well-known guest, the 55th mayor of St. Paul, elected in his first term of 2017, in turn becoming the first African-American mayor of St. Paul, a true native of the city born here in St. Paul in the Rondo neighborhood, being a fourth generation resident. His father was a St. Paul police officer, his mother a past school teacher, who also served as the Ramsey County Commissioner. He attended Saint Paul Central High School. After high school he did his bachelor's in business administration from Florida A and M University came back to Minnesota to get his master's degree in public policy from the University of Minnesota. He's an avid long-distance runner, a talented mathematician. We'll throw some math <laughs> questions at him later. And his most important title as a husband and a father of five beautiful children. We're honored to have you today, Mayor Melvin Carter. Let's, Let's give, give a warm, it up warm the welcome. Let's give Mayor Carter. Let's go. It.
1: I've never been introduced as a, as a mathematician before. <laughs> we did our research.
2: Right,
0: right. <laughs> you were good at math, so we had to throw that in there. Once upon a time. That's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, we always like to kind of start off on a, a topic that we tend to like, mm-hmm. right? Get it a little soft, a couple of softball questions yes, towards you. We're Avid Travers travelers we firmly believe through traveling people can learn and grow as individuals um, which in turn is a better society Mm -hmm. for us with that being said what is the last place you visited and what's the next place you want to visit and preferably outside of the u the u.s
1: i think the last place i was was uh, jamaica we like to go to jamaica okay there's a spot there Uh, me and my wife have been going to together for years and so i think that's the last place we went a friend of ours got married there Um, and i think one of the next places i'm planning to be is israel Okay, looking forward forward to going to Israel. I I fully agree with you. The the world is too big to only see a part of it, only see one corner of it. Uh, St. Paul's an incredible, incredible place. And I know that because I've gotten a chance to see so many other places,
0: right? You don't get to appreciate home until you've gone somewhere else. You see kind of the struggles or other different ways of life, other cultures and then you come back home and you're like wow you know what that's right
1: i graduated from high school with a one way ticket to florida uh-huh. you know, i was a sprinter we were just talking about that i was a sprinter and i wanted to go to a warm place mm-hmm. and i wanted to get out of the snow i wanted to get out yes. of the center out of this winter wintry place and i went and you know went to school for 4 years in florida and when i finished i tell folks all the time the biggest thing i learned in moving 1000 miles away is how much i like home Yeah, Yeah. you get there and you realize all these things we took for granted about St. Paul, about Minnesota. You know, you get there and say, "Where's Where's your thriving art scene? Where's your you know uh, uh,
2: immigrant community? Where's Where's your free city-owned zoo?" And you come to find out, not not every community has the stuff no, we have here. You don't notice that until you leave, because I, I lived in Chicago for quite some time, and I'm like, man, mm-hmm. it ain't like back home nope. at all. Like, just the people, too. That's right. The people are yep. here are very, like, homely. They the open doors. They're just, like, very small, knit-tight community, which is good, but also inviting, too, yeah. where you don't get that in a lot of other states or cities that you go to across the country.
1: Yeah, this know? is definitely a special place. Uh, but like I said, I, I like you said, I absolutely... Encourage folks. Go see the world. Go yeah. see, you know, go go spend time overseas. Get your passport stamped and go spend time. Um, and I've gotten a chance to. Vi- I've been really blessed to be able to visit a number of different places and just to see. And, and honestly, I bring back ideas from different places. Yeah. Uh, a lot of our ideas about public art and how we support uh, public art and public artists better uh, came from a trip that I took years ago to Cuba.
2: And seeing, oh.
1: seeing the way, like public art was just part of the space. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it wasn't that they built the block and then put some art on it. Yep, is that they built the block artistically. You know. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, a lot of our a lot of the ideas I have around Saint Paul really come from uh, stealing this and that from yep. different cities that I've been to. Cuba super interesting
0: with all the old cars and everything. It so it's 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 like kind of stuck in like that forties fifties feel. Yeah.
1: It was amazing, and people, you know, it just I, I found some of the most kindest most helpful folks there um love it, lo- loved visiting cuba it was mm-hmm. just fantastic and so my, my my plan when i go visit places i have a theory that a tour guide's job is to keep you from authentically seeing a place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so my, my my goal is when the t- tour guide says look this way i'm always looking the other way oh, <laughs> and so when i visit a place i want to go to a pub you know, I want to go, I want to ride public transit yep. and i want to yep. go to open air market. See the, the real culture. And if, yeah. you, if, if you do those, I find if you do those three things in a new place, you'll have a better understanding of it than you can get in any museum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, do you go true. to Kingston
0: when you go to Jamaica? I go to, I've
1: been to Kingston a, a number of times. Yep. Uh, we generally go to Negril though. Negril. We like, okay. we like to get away from the like super touristy.
0: Me, spots. Me and Julian are big foodies, especially when it comes to Caribbean food. Is that right? Oh my God. We can't take... I I gotta get this guy off the sauce. Is that
2: right? I love <laughs> I right. love sauce. Shout yeah. out to West Indies Soul Food on University. Without a doubt, yes. West Indies Soul. Yeah. pimento a good spot. Yeah, pimento is a good spot too. Definitely love pimento. I, I got in a, uh, I got in
1: a big argument one time. We were in a a, 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 a patty shop in uh, in in Kingston. And we were watching track and field, and we got in an argument over whether Jamaican sprinting or American sprinting was better. Oh, and I, I think I won the argument, but uh, all my friends were like, okay, let's
0: go now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so no, that's that's perfect. Uh, what inspired you to become mayor, um, and what do you hope to accomplish during your time in office? Obviously, as we mentioned in, in the introduction, you're f- Family has somewhat of a political background in the city. Yeah. Uh, was that a catalyst to your own political career? Um,
1: yes and no. You know, growing up, my family was really active in community service and yep. community activity. My parents both founded nonprofit organizations. Mom's a teacher. Dad's a former uh, police, a police officer. And so I, I saw this, these models of public service, uh, you know, right up, right up close. Um it, it didn't really turn into electoral service until a lot later. And the truth is early on, to me, I you know, I was happy to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity or go mm-hmm. do something with the NAACP and things like that. Uh, but like elected office just didn't feel relevant to yeah. like everyday community life. That's a yeah. whole different conversation. Um, I ended up deciding I wanted to run for city council when we were building light rail on mm-hmm. university Avenue, because the way the plan was originally established was kind of going to hopscotch the community that I grew up in uh, the community that my parents still live in, you know, et cetera. Uh, and so there were a number of us who got involved in this fight to add back what we called the three missing stations. Cause it, w- mm-hmm. it wasn't going to stop at Victoria, Hamlin or Western avenues. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that that was, that that was fixed. And we did yep. get a chance to fix that. So then on day one, we had stops where that was concerned, But I'm from this city. I love this city. The city has raised me. My family's been here for 100 years. I'm raising my kids in this community. And let me tell you, ultimately, I think there are folks in this community who say, you know, this was a great city back in the 80s. We should get back to that, Um, which is not as diverse, not as multicultural, not as multilingual, not as exciting, not as spicy as this city is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think there's folks who say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have all these assets that we didn't have 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We ought to be pushing forward to to the city we've never been yeah yeah and that dichotomy uh is really exciting to me and the opportunity to build us to a city that we've never been before, and ultimately, you know we're doing a lot of stuff we raise, we we built college savings accounts we start every child born in our city with fifty dollars in a college savings account uh, we raise the minimum wage you know we've established you know we've piloted a guaranteed income we've established this office of uh uh office of uh, neighborhood safety to help drive our reimagining public safety and you know we're 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 doing a whole lot of things different yes. than, than what I think we're used to seeing cities do. But the, the tie that binds it all together is this. I think we've bought into, we've, been, we've inherited what I think of as a broken model of city building that tells us that we got to you know, invest in bricks and mortar and concrete and forget those people. You know? yeah. and so we end up uh, building trains that don't stop to pick up our most transit-dependent populations. We end up building roads and paving over people's homes to build roads. Uh, we end up trying to keep ourselves safe by locking up all the young black and brown boys that we can find. And we end up trying to carve the, uh, the economic future of our community by overlooking all the human potential that exists in our community and go and find somebody from out of town to go yep. kind of bribe to come here or uh, go incentivize to come yep. here.
0: Well, um, you would know about paving the roads to get rid of neighborhoods. I yeah. mean, Rondo is That's a right. perfect example of That's that. right. That's right. right. The whole 94. Rondo's a perfect example of
1: that. We said, we got to get around this town better. Uh, so let's uproot these 700 families so that we can all get out and get around. And, and, and that's all an example of this broken model of city building mm-hmm. that causes us to always bet against our own residents. Mm-hmm. And so the tie that binds everything that we're trying to do uh, to make a long story just a couple of seconds longer is switching from that to a model that says, what if our whole plan to build the future of this city was around just finding crazy ways every day to just bet on our own children, to bet on on our own businesses, to bet on our workforce, to bet on our ideas, to bet on our own own innovators, to just literally go all in yep. on the human on the human capital potential that exists within our city.
0: Okay, that no, that's that's wonderful because you're right. the The human component is sometimes overlooked, especially in politics. That's right. You know, sometimes due to uh, outside forces, lobbying, uh, you know, businesses, whatever the case. Roads That's right. might be. Uh, I think there has to be some type of balance, though, at that at that point, too, right? At, at the same time, yes, you do need to get around the city better, um, and at the same time, help people stop at places where the public transit is needed. Well, you know, and, from
1: and, and I don't see those as opposites. Yeah.
0: Actually, we need to build
1: roads to people's homes, Correct. not over people's homes. Yep, um, and so when we think about building buildings and we think about building bridges and infrastructure and streets, it's for the purpose of facilitating people getting around and people being able to thrive within our community. And so when we're building that road, literally over 700 homes... We're putting the cart in front of the horse. We're, yep. we're, we're, we're getting it out of line. Our goal ought to be to facilitate these 700 families. Our goal ought to be able to, f- to facilitate their success, Yep. not trying to move them out of the way so that the rest of us can get through.
0: No, exactly. I, I grew up in Cedar Riverside, so I know oh, yeah. what public transit yeah. was before the That's light right. rail and then what it was afterwards and everything like that. So I... I wholeheartedly agree uh what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the city of st paul right now and and what's your plans to address them right now the two things that keep me awake at night are public safety and potholes
1: The
2: potholes, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which was our next question public safety and potholes are the two things that keep me up at night i'm excited about i actually think that st that, that paul is leading the nation in our approach to public safety mm-hmm. you know ultimately we've been promised for all of our lives that if we just build bigger prisons and hire you know, tougher police and prosecutors exactly. to fill them, it mm-hmm. will be safe. Nobody would argue that that's worked. And um, the, what, what the most common thing that we do when we think our public safety strategies aren't working because we don't feel safe enough is to literally do more of the same. Mm-hmm. We should build more prisons and more police
2: and more prosecutors. It's not going to work.
1: Well, it hasn't yet. (laughs) So, it literally is the definition of insanity doing more of the same thing and expecting a different result. So, our goal is to expand our public safety frame. The reason it doesn't work is because police, prosecutors, and prisons all kick in after something bad has happened. Mm -hmm. You can't prevent something bad. By starting your work after something bad has happened, so the question is, how do we how do we identify the cycles of violence that are happening in our community? How do we how do we break them? How do we make uh, the proactive interventions and investments yeah. that are necessary to reduce the number of times we have to call nine one one in the first place? And so that means what we call our kind of optimal response strategy, you know, building you know EMTs to come and show up and help folks in crisis. Uh, sometimes folks call nine one one. I tell you. Sometimes folks call 911 because somebody's you know robbing a bank or committing violence or there's a crime. And in those cases, we have to make sure that we have a police officer there. There's no substitute for a police officer with a badge and a uniform and yep. the, the tools that they have. Most of the time when people call 911, it's because they're concerned. It's because somebody's in crisis. It's because somebody's homeless. It's because there's just like a neighborhood concern that they're not sure of. And most of the time, this is the problem. Most of the time, those problems actually don't really lend themselves to the toolkit that we give, that we equip our officers with. So that's why you know having uh, emergency housing counselors ready to go when somebody calls nine one one, having EMTs ready to go when somebody calls nine one one, having those community responders ready to go when somebody calls nine one one is really critical. We're doing a lot of that work. Um, Where potholes are concerned, it's 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 um, not all that complicated, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, We have just underinvested in our streets for a generation. Mm -hmm. Um, I was telling you before we started recording, um, our streets we expect to have a sixty year lifespan. Uh, We inherited them when I came into office on a 124-year replacement cycle. That's why they're all busted up because we haven't put the money in. And so we're proposing uh, a one-cent sales tax that would give us $40 million a year, 30 of which we want to pump straight into our streets. Um, every, you know, we get what's called a pavement in, pavement condition index report on a scale of 1 to 100. Our streets are at a 48 right now. Mm-hmm. If we just keep trying to scrap together what we can at the local level 20 years from now, they're projected to be at a 20. If we can make this infusion of capital that I want to make through this sales tax proposal, we can move them to a 70. That's what we want to do. We want to find, we want to switch from just sort of chasing potholes to saying we're going to rebuild our streets so that we can build them for the
2: future.
0: No, that's the, I think that's it, a great idea. <laughs> I mean,
2: I, we've got some flack from people talking about business owners. Like, why would you raise the sell tax? By I mean, it's like, come on now, like pick your pick your struggle. Like people are complaining about the potholes. How is that money? Where's that money going to come from? It's not just going to fall out of the sky. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that's you explaining that it makes more sense. And I think that's what people need to know. Like the money has to come from somewhere.
1: It, it, it does have to come from somewhere. Like, you we, know. there's no there's no magic freeway. Exactly. Do it. Um, the other thing that I think is important that's an advantage of the sales tax is when we think about our streets and again, our parks, mm-hmm. when we look at like, we, we are going to put a billion dollars into our streets. Go drive away from here wherever, in any direction, and you'll see that we are going to have to put a billion dollars. Yes. Whether we plan for it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we budget for it or not, we're going to put a billion dollars in our streets. The question is, will we kick the can down? The further we kick the can down the road, the less we'll get for it. Mm-hmm. And will we do it on our terms, or will we have to do it on emergency response terms? So we're going to do it. The question is, do we get it from our property taxes? Which means it's limited to only the people who own property, who live and own a business, own a building in this city. Um, Or if we do it through a sales tax, because one of the things we have to know is that our streets... You know, we have a lot of folks who come in and out of town who you know, commute into downtown to work or, mm-hmm. you know, who come to a game or come to a tournament or come to eat or whatever it is in uh, our parks. We have a lot of folks who, you know, Como Zoo, Como Park, Phelan, you know, we have a lot of folks who come in from out of the, out of, outside of our city to use our parks. So that's one of the advantages of a sales tax is it invites some of those users who don't live in the city, who aren't St. Paul property tax that can contribute to be a part of the solution you know, to the resources that they use pretty heavily.
0: Right. Oh
2: No, I think that's smart. I think that's smart.
0: I think the one drawback, what people, what we've talked to and people are saying is, well, hold on. There's a surplus the state has, which mm-hmm. in turn St. Paul has. Where are those funds being allocated to?
1: Um, so the state having it doesn't mean that in turn St. Paul has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're making an argument for a significant portion of it. Uh, but again, let me tell you, we have a statewide surplus of about $17 billion. Uh, we need a billion dollars into our streets a billion dollars plus and so you know there's no guarantee that you know the state is willing to just you know hand saint paul a billion dollars yep the other piece that we have to know is that surplus is one-time funding so the way i talk to people about some of this is if you think about your own budget yep. uh, you, you have a salary you have a paycheck that come that you can count on every couple of weeks and then you might get a year-end bonus mm-hmm. right and when you get the year-end bonus there's a lot of cool things you can do with it you can't get a higher rent. You can't get a bigger apartment because it's only one time. time yep. And so where our streets are concerned, we need to invest in our streets this year. We need to do it next year. We need to do it the year after that. We need to do it every single year uh, forever. Mm-hmm. And yep. so one-time funding doesn't give us the, uh, the, the, the predictability, the consistency no. over the next 20 years. And, and, and beyond that that we need to actually write the course. Yeah, it this would help was, us but yeah. it doesn't give
2: us that consistency. This is a long term plan it's not a short term and that's when people exactly. they want it to be a short term they want it fixed right now where it's You have to explain, like, hey, this is the long game
0: player." As do I. I want it fixed right now, too. It doesn't doesn't happen like that. That's right. You know, the whole, it's like you're at the pothole. You're like, thanks, Mayor Carter. Uh, That's right. That's right. That's right. I
1: personally dig him. (laughs) No, I run this city. Look, I, I cover, I probably cover more of this city on foot than... Most people. Do. Most people. Yeah. Yep. Not yep. everybody. I see your Instagram. Uh, that's right. The, the, <laughs> that's right. So I'm
0: like, okay. That's right. He hit so. A couple of
1: miles today. I, I have a few. I have more than one ankle that I can blame on a pothole that you know drive me crazy. So I have a lot. I have a lot at stake in getting these things fixed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. No. We're actually uh, going to have Andy Rodriguez, director of oh, the cool. Parks and Recs of St. Paul on the podcast here right. soon so, so he can really dive into the bottles.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no but you no, know what yeah. and, 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 but andy and again the sales tax proposal is three quarters for our streets and one quarter for our parks yep our parks are an incredible amenity we just yes. last year got ranked the number two park system in the country second only to washington dc and they have the national mall yeah, yeah they, right? have, they really have federal funding I've for been, the national
2: mall so, so we're better than minneapolis well about. we're better than everybody but better than everybody But better than Minneapolis
1: You know we don't lean into We don't lean into The Minneapolis-St. Paul competition <laughs> yeah. You know I will tell you this we, You know we've spent I think I, Honestly I think we've spent a, a, my, All of my life Trying to figure out Whether St. Paul or Minneapolis Is better yeah. When in actuality I think you know If St. Paul has a, has a teammate If St. Paul has a partner It's Minneapolis Yeah And sure. as we think about How we do this work together And partner and leverage Each other's strengths uh, Then we can shift From a conversation To who's the better city In Minnesota uh, to how do we field a, re- a region, a metro area yes. that can be relevant on the globe. Like I think the this, this St. Paul, Minneapolis metro area uh, is competitive. Like when we yes. show our our strengths, when we show uh, our, our colleges, when we show our river, our waterfront, when we show our Fortune 500 companies, yep. when we show our innovation, culture arts, arts multilingual culture yes. arts, um, we're every bit as relevant as any metropolitan area on the planet and so I'm, I, I'm, I, and I know you're kidding. I know you're joking, but you know I love to, I love to lean into the strengths that we have as a metropolitan Together. area because mm-hmm, that yeah. can, I think, change the math for all of us. Yeah. Yes, no. I, I don't
0: think there's any city or cities as unique as the Twin Cities being no. so close, being yeah. so uh, metropolitan. Yeah. Like there's no other city that's like that. Just another city right across the river. D- yeah,
2: Dallas Fort Worth kind of has like down there. They they think of it yeah. as a Twin Cities, but it is not the real. There's some
0: areas that have
1: a similar Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah. Uh, DC DC and Baltimore, yeah. you know, there's there's cities that are like relatively close. I don't think they're like as close or no. as kind of uh, closely knit as we
2: are. Dallas, right. Fort Worth is about 45 minutes from yeah. each other. Right. We're, we're 16 minutes. So, I mean, we're across the street. In yeah. Some ways, yeah. It? In some places. Yeah. 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 If you're on Highland. So,
0: uh, Mayor Carter, thank you. Uh, you want to give your final message uh, what you would like to convey to the residents of St. Paul and those considering moving to the city of St. Paul to that camera right there? Uh, That is your dedicated camera. (laughs) Give your pitch. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter.
1: I'm excited to to live in and serve what I fully believe is the most incredible city on the planet, Uh, you know, Come check us out, you know, whether you live here or whether you're considering living here, uh, get out in town and see Como Zoo. See our incredible, I always tell folks you can travel a pl- the world on a plate in our city. Uh, and we just have an incredible community uh, that, you know, we, we, we've, we've, of course, ha- experienced the same challenges as everybody yes. else has over these last several years. Uh, but, you know, the, the ingenuity of our community, the diversity of our community, uh, the, the, the the grit of the people who live in this city yeah. is something I'm really excited to be able to serve. Uh, and, and, and you'll be able to look at City Hall uh, and see uh, that nobody's betting on their own people. Nobody's doubling down on their own communities, our own children, our own businesses, the way that we are in St. Paul. And, you know, I appreciate all of you guys for the help that you give uh, and also the way that you invest in yourselves and each other. Uh, to help uh, move us into the future that I know we have in store for us. Love well, that. Uh, yes. Mayor Carter, thank you, thank you so
0: much for your time. We hope that you enjoyed it. We hope we weren't too hard on you. Uh Mayor, we know your, your <laughs> no, time is No, you said I'm valuable. getting invited back, right? Yes, of yes, course. Okay. If you come back. You said, you said it on the air, and I, I want to make sure that it's just. Walk, you didn't walk wait, out, so that's sti- good. Wait, <laughs> one stipulation, right? Since you boys are the St. Paul boys, I got to have. Mayor Fry and me be the Minneapolis We can do boys. it. Oh, we can do it. We have to Minneapolis versus St. Paul Minneapolis or Minneapolis versus
1: and St. Sa- Paul. Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Friendly competition.
1: That's a right. rivalry. Yeah. Mayor Frye says uh, co- what's his word? He says, he says cooperation is what we're doing.
0: There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, we know how valuable your time is. We're extremely grateful for you to come here today. Speak to us, our viewers, our listeners. We really enjoyed this podcast. We hope you come back in the future, which you said you would. Uh, we pray for you and the city's continued success. And above all, we pray for your health and the health of your family. Thank you once again. Uh, Everyone, please subscribe, comment on what you love about the city of St. Paul and what are some changes you'd love for the mayor to implement. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back here for episode 18. Bye. Take it easy. See you.